Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Christmas episode of What Most People Think. Just a heads up that very early in the episode, I mean, God knows why you'd be listening to this with any young children around, okay? If, I'll probably call it a social if I find out that you have. But if you do, just be aware that very early on we talk about some stuff to do with Christmas uh, that might not be for little ears, if you get my drift. All right, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 121 of What Most People Think. This is the Christmas special, so just imagine some little sleigh bells or other Christmas noises that sort of uh, give this a bit of theme. You know what I mean? Maybe an elf getting beaten by Santa, something like that. Just a scream of an elf who hasn't packaged something correctly so you can already hear we've got a uh, rummish ranking i don't know where the fuck that darkness came from <laughs> santa well i mean this is supposed to be the christmas episode and i've gone in there with santa being abusive so anyway w- welcome to the show for the now customary christmas special rummish ranganathan hello jeff how are you yeah, I'm all right. Well, I've got evidently got elf abuse on my it's mind. It's such a weird decision to sort of go sweatshop with it. I mean, listen. Yeah, I mean, that, it almost that has is, to be how it is, though, right? Yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah, it's sort of... Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um, and actually, it's quite a good... You know, I do think kids need to... Kids need... Does The whole Santa thing, I don't know how many... I don't know how many believers you've got as listeners to your podcast, but um, the, whole, the whole Santa thing... Are you a um, truther? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm just fed up with this. I'm fed up with with, with people believing this shit, man. Now, um, I, uh, I just sometimes I find myself thinking, I don't know why these kids haven't applied any more scrutiny to this. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of, none of it holds up to any kind of level of thought, even for a child. I don't think. Do you know what I mean? No, so, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I remember you mentioned this to me, and then and then obviously my boy now is five and a half. So like when they're three and four, you go, they they think they believe in lots of mad shit. They still yeah. believe their toys come to life when they leave the room. Yeah, yeah. But by the time they can talk to you and make sense, and then you're telling them about how Santa has a magic key because if you don't have a chimney yeah yeah i know i mean it's even like the very basics of it you go so you've, you've watched all the films and there's an elf there's a there's a load of elves in a workshop yeah so do yeah. you believe that's where playstations are made is that what you think is happening you or, don't think you don't think he's outsourcing that like so what, what do you think what, what, what? well he's got some sort of favored nations deal with sony <laughs> it's just so it's no, just yeah i just sort of think you know if, if kids the truth is, though, actually, there is no incentive for kids to to let on that they don't believe, really. Is that yeah. What I mean? Well, um, I think we, we, me and my wife were talking about this, was that generally it's not a traumatic memory for most people finding out, is it? Because the compensation is is that your parents did you a solid, right? So they take with one hand, you go, oh, so, so, so they did that. I, I guess the only bad way to find out is if it's like a bully punching you in the head while you're going, and, and they're going, and another thing. Do you know Santa, right? That is, yeah. it's only if, if you were being traumatized as you were being told, I think. Well, that's a, that's a one of the, that's, you've just described one of my biggest 
parenting fears actually it's like yeah. sort of wanting the kids to believe in santa but trying to figure out at what point you have to tell them so they don't get mm. beaten up at school for still believing in santa do you know what i mean because yeah we've all heard stories haven't we how we old know... is now how old's fear he's 12 but he's he doesn't believe well that's reassuring i mean uh... <laughs> The fact, the fact, that, the fact that I had to, I had to say that to you is almost a diss on him, actually. Do you know what I mean? But, but now, um, so you've had to co-opt him into the lie. Yeah, well. well, actually, actually, I was dropping off to school uh, yesterday morning, and we were talking about it, and and I said to him, you, "You've not let on to the other two, have you?" And he said, "No." And I said, "What do you think about?" Because as you know, we, you and I've talked about this a lot. I, I sort of, I, hmm. I'm sort of on the fence as to what I feel about this whole Santa thing, and um. He said to me, I think it's a really good thing. I think it was cool. it's cool, you know, and yeah. um he's pretty rational I, as well, isn't he? Yeah, brother? I think so I think the kid I think it's good that the, that the the other two believe in it. I think it was cool. It's fun to believe in Santa. So so he's kind of changed my mind on it slightly. But there's all sorts of issues that I, you know, I don't want to bore you with, but you know, all the stuff about this the, you know, the social equality issues of, of Santa are, yeah. are, are, are a big problem, you know, I think. Well, if he does exist. He evidently favours uh, the status quo. Yeah, he he likes rich families. He he doesn't yeah. want mainly he, rich he white families. He doesn't believe in redistribution of wealth. No, he he just he loves buying the best shit for the people who have the most shit. You know, or so. or if you think about the principle of monetary inflation, though, if you were to suddenly start delivering kind of like those baby Bentleys to kids that don't have any money. There's social problems that come with that. So maybe he's only operating within the framework of existing wealth. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really good show. Do you know what? Actually, I feel like I've got a bit of egg on my face there. I've sort of done something. Down. You're absolutely right. Like, it's a valid theory. No, but he's um, still in on it. I mean, that doesn't change the fact. Yeah, yeah, no, sure, saying. sure. But there's, and but if there's, he a, went logic, there's a logic year, there. Then. Yeah. If he went rogue one year, I'm sure the guys at Davos would... Um, Start talking about <laughs> an extraordinary meeting of Davos happening in fucking March or something. Guys, Santa's really rocking the boat here. Yeah, I mean, this now yeah. now we're into the territory of quite a decent Netflix Christmas film. Milo, with a bit of a, with a bit of edge to it. Elves getting beaten. Davos censuring Santa for for stepping outside of the uh, the boundaries. I mean, this is for a Christmas episode. I, I think we've gone in. We've gone in big. I might have to retrospectively record spoiler alerts for this in case someone. Listens to it. I mean, this is an interesting thing, though, Romish, as you'll know, is that talking about the Santa myth or not, all right, mm. is a big deal in telly. Like, if you um, if you want to even go there, it goes through several layers of compliance. It's, it's insane. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. You even want to allude to it. You have to think about what time's it on, when might the show get repeated. Yeah. I mean, Jeff, like, you, you know, you and I both work on the Ranganation, and we did a Christmas episode of it. And... Um, Talking about whether how we talk about Santa on the Christmas episode of Ranga Nation. Yeah. So, I mean, it took up a lot of time, didn't it? There's, there's, there's a lot of back too. and forth. Yeah. It, it was bigger was, uh, than Cummings. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It required, it required analysis of data to see what the actual demographics were of the people watching who's it. Who's watching it on iPlayer and all Yeah, how, how, how close is it to Watershed? So possibly somebody that's come downstairs after having been sent to bed might accidentally watch it. You know, it was mad. I mean, it is, if you look at the, the sort of wider situation of Britain, when we did this show last year, I don't know if you remember, the government was in crisis mm. and Britain was on the brink of another lockdown and, a, <laughs> and another variant has emerged and emerged. So it's good that we've moved on, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it feels great, doesn't it? Put all that behind us. I um, mean, yeah, it, 
I, I um yesterday morning I had my as I do have when it, when there is ever like a sort of a new sort of uh a, a new kind of dynamic to this whole ongoing mm. uh, pandemic story. I had my sort of depression spiral in the morning yesterday. Yeah. I was sort of laying in bed, woke up, re- reached across to my phone, which I shouldn't be doing. Reached across mm. to my phone, had a look on a, a, a couple of news websites, and then I just thought, oh, God. And then Why I had like... Why do we do that in the morning? I don't I mean... know. It's insane. I've never felt better for having done it. You know, to, mm. to reach across and um, just grasp for the box that only delivers bad news. It's like Russian roulette, isn't it? You go, well, there's... Um... There's a, a, a gun that might have one bullet in it or no bullets. So the two outcomes is that I shoot myself in the head or that I don't shoot myself in the head. But there's no, I, I, there's no good I, bullet. No, and 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 like, I I don't I don't this mobile phones and the internet and social media seem to have co-opted our instincts to to make ourselves happier. Everything else about us is to make ourselves happier, satisfy yourself, make yourself feel yeah. better. But for some reason. We have these addictive this this the phones make us addicted to something that makes you feel habitually makes you feel worse, and we do mm. it more and more and more. I don't understand it. It's like well, it's, I just, it's, I, it's sidestepped our hardwiring. It's mad. I wonder if there's a logic to it that if you keep doing something that makes you unhappy, maybe there's a bit of you that wants to be a bit unhappy because that's the only explanation I can think of. That you go, this is how I operate. That the pie chart of my brain needs a certain amount of discord and rancor. Because otherwise, what's the logic? I mean, if you repeatedly, or like you say, maybe it is more disturbing than that, is that um, that we've changed. We've literally changed our kind of neural pathways to want to be unhappy against our better judgment. But then I'll go like pre-social, was I, or did I just, would, would I just stress out about more parochial stuff? You know, now, you know, back in then I was worried about, you know, a little conversation I'd had with a friend that went weird. Now I'm worried about Russia invading Ukraine. I yeah, I, 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 I do think, I do think um, that we, whatever whatever situation you find yourself in, you will try and look to sort of to uh, to undermine it or to make yourself. You, you will always feel stress. You know, you're not going to walk around feeling completely free of it. Do you know what I mean, I, I just don't think that's in our nature. But you know, like sometimes, do you ever have it where um, I don't know if you've had this. I, I don't know if this comes from like. Uh, seeing your parents struggle or mm. I, I remember like my dad things messing up for my dad has left me with this thing where if for a week say I'm sort of happy things are going all right at work things are going all right at home I'm kind of nailing parenting um, yeah. things I, in my head I think this is this has to fuck up like what, what's yeah. going on here what's going on here this cannot and then I actually start to become anxious about how this is going to fall apart Do you <laughs> just, I wonder how this is going to go wrong like, like, what is going to be the thing? Was it? Will it be a work thing? Will it be an argument with Lisa? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you start, you start trying to preempt how this. No, no, I do exactly. Is going to fuck up. My thing is often I'll go out for a social event, and I can remember so many times being on the train into London, thinking, I "Feel really happy at the moment. Actually, I feel really calm. I think I, I'm going to just have a few, a couple of pints today, because I'd hate to ruin this great thing that I've got going on. Cut to like four a.m. I'm in an Uber. Do you know what I mean? On my way home, and I know that I'm not going to sleep, and I get, I get, and I just think, well, once again, I wanted to fuck that up, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I've done it so many times now, but I, I think you're right. I think your early life experience is so hard. We, we're both in our forties now. I mean, I'm 45 now. It's really hard to change. Yeah, <laughs> is the main right. thing that I've worked. Yeah. Even like a simple, 
I mean, I've stopped even. You know the thing about learning a foreign language. I've I've stopped even thinking that. It's not. Is, is it, it better to just mate, sign I, it off? We, mate, oh, dude, I I don't know. I, I'm having exactly the same experience as you. Where I just sort of think self improvement and trying to change things. Like for example, you know, I'm fucking really disorganized. I'm scatterbrained. Do you know I, mean? I don't get back to people properly. And for a long time, I'm thinking, I need to work on that today. Or this this week, I want to try and be better. I've sort of thought, this is me. Fucking accept yeah, yeah. it, world. Do you know what I mean? Like, and even things like, <laughs> even things like, even things like going, you know, going to the gym or, or exercising stuff. I think I'm 43 now. Yeah. Right? I have not looked good for any of those years, right? So maybe it's time that I just sort of think it's about slowing the decline now. There, there is no, there is <laughs> yeah. no, uh, this aspirational thing. I'm knocking that on the head. Do you know what I mean, it's just I'm just trying to stay mobile. Jeff, I, I went for, a, I, I've, I, I've been running as I think we've talked about this. I've been running, and I didn't do it for a few days. Yesterday, I went for a run, right, and like did what I thought was a good run. Do you know, what I did this morning at nine thirty. This morning, right. I ate, I microwaved a bag of popcorn. <laughs> at 9 30 in the morning and, and sat there eating while having a chat with lisa and you, and you know do you know the most damning indictment of that is she didn't even fucking bat an eyelid she's like yeah. that is just regular behavior that is from one her of husband. those that's one of those smells that you shouldn't really be having before maybe midday even 100 100 because and the fact that she them... hasn't clocked that and pushed back on it yeah. I don't know. I wonder if she just looked. I, I just sort of think, because I didn't, you know, the, the worst thing is I didn't even announce I was doing that. I didn't go, because what that requires really is, yeah. a, do you know what? I'm feeling really mad. It's Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. You know what I'm going to do? I know this is this is mental. I'm going I'm I'm to I'm microwave some popcorn. I didn't even say that. I just, as I was talking to her about something else, I opened the bag, put it in the microwave. She must have just, <laughs> I, I wonder if she's on the phone now as I'm talking to you now, just talking to her mate going, I just didn't even know what to say. Yeah. It's such a, such a mad thing to do. And he didn't even acknowledge it. He just sort of started, he just ate, didn't even offer me any. We're going to welcome uh, new patrons to the show. They're the people that keep it weekly and ad-free. We've got uh, we've got a VIP patron, as, as you know, when we um, we try and speculate on who they are based on their name. So this guy's called, this is a tricky one, Daniel Hinton. Mm. Daniel Hinton. That's an unusual surname, that. Dan, Dan Hintz. Dan, Dan, Danny Hinton. Danny I wonder if Danny, Danny Hinton. That's a different guy, isn't it? Yeah, that's a, that's a bloke that was at school was the hardest bloke in his year. But Danny so Hinton. different from Daniel Hinton. Daniel yeah. Hinton, I'm like estate agent. Yeah, Danny Hinton of the notorious Hinton. Danny Hinton is like a flyweight boxer. Yeah, who yeah. All, everyone round the way got behind because they were so proud to know a boxer. Yeah, and then yeah, they just go, oh yeah, no, because I know um, I know Danny Hinton's cousin actually. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Me, me and him are quite good mates. Yeah, and, like he actually, he actually said to me that like if I ever got into trouble, like if anybody ever gave me shit, that actually Danny would like he could call Danny and Danny would. Yeah, turn no, up, yeah. So. Dan, Danny, the Hintons, mate. They, they. Right. I remember when I was a kid in London, there was a period where everyone, a load of kids in my school, were claiming to be related to Paul Ince. I don't know why <laughs> everyone reckoned they were related to Paul Ince, and then the same happened again a generation later with Rio Ferdinand. So I don't know what it is about mixed race footballers in London. Yeah, everyone thinks that they're blood relatives. There was a couple. Of, there was a couple of hard families near where I grew, like in Crawley, where everybody claimed to know or be mates with one of the brothers or one of the cousins or whatever. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's just. Uh, and the Hintons sound like that type of that type of. Fa- and then what happens is you've not seen Danny Hinton for ages. You'll go off in your separate ways, and then you you turn up to an estate agent's, 
And Danny Hinton's there, and you go, oh my God, Danny Hinton. You go, and he's he goes, like Shh, Daniel, Daniel Hinton. Yeah, it's, it's, Dan, yeah. it's Daniel Hinton. It's, it's Daniel Hinton. Nice to see. You. How's it going? Uh, listen, um, I just want to say, I just wanted to say, I just wanted to say, I wanted to say sorry about some of the stuff I said to you when we were back at school. Like it was just a bit, I've, I'm sort of a different guy now. And then you go, uh, no, no, that's all cool. But I don't know if you remember, in 1994, you said to me if I ever had any issues, we were drinking cider <laughs> over the park. And here we are in 2021, and I actually am having like quite a big issue with a builder. So I was wondering if you and your brothers, and he's like, just looks at you like you're fucking insane. And he goes, any chance you could just weigh in? Or look, just think about it, Danny, just... Just let um, me know. I'd quite, I'd quite like to know how hard this Daniel Hinton is actually. So if you could let Jeff know, and he can sort of. Pass well, it they often it. get back to me to to let okay. me know how yeah. accurate it was, right. um, and we move on on what most people think to the cuss count, which is uh, I don't. This is all might be news to you, Romish, but uh, it's being retired. It's being retired um, after two years of the kind of like the star in a reasonably priced car of the show. This is a positive thing, but it's being retired for reasons I'll explain. So I've sent you something, a package, which if you could open now, um, which will kind of shed a a bit of light on this, but there comes a point, you know, like with with a certain trophy or or a a player number, okay, that'll be the one. And- and Am I opening this now? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So this is genuinely, Romish has sat on this, I've sent it to him. And this is a trophy. <laughs> so can you give a, a, an audio description? This is, this is uh, it's a proper trophy. Yeah. It says the WMPT Cuss Count Award 2019 to 21. Yeah. Over, over two years. Um, it is absolutely not the design that I submitted on the website. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just seeing it over Zoom now. It was supposed to have, you know, like the thing with the asterisks and the exclamation marks. That oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's a much better idea, right? Yeah. Um, I like it. It's nice. It's nice. Well, well, I mean, what happened, Ron? So as the numbers went on, it became clear that you were uncatchable. After three, Are you, ser- are you being serious? Yeah. After three, after three appearances, you were on an average of 26 and a half uh, swears. So now... Um, just uh, what I did was I got the uh, my friend Matt that helps me out with the social media to put together a um, a compilation of of your swears from the last appearance. So I'm going to play it in here, and I hope I hope I hope that you can hear this well enough. So we'll give okay. it a first go. Fucking fucking fuck up shit. Fucking prick. Fucking shit. Fuck shit. Fucking fuck 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 fucking fucking me. Fucking fucking yourself. Bullshit. Shit. Uh, let me just give that another blast on full volume. Fucking fucking fuck up shit. Fucking prick. Fucking shit. Fucking fuck. Fuck fuck fucking fucking me. Fucking fucking yourself. Bullshit. Shit. That's incredible. Incredible. Twenty six and a half. That's uh, is that bad? That's bad, isn't it? I mean, first of all, first of all, thanks for the award. Uh, thanks for playing that out. But that's really bad. I mean, hearing that like that. Am I? Did you think I was swearing at the time? Um, well, I swear an average of about 40 an episode when I do a solo one, slightly less on the guest episodes. So, no, right. but then I, I just think then what it does make me think, and this is um, the first time I've really thought about it, is that when we sit together and we're working on stuff and people come in, we must swear so much. And I, it oh makes me God. think that people probably talk about it. People probably say... I, like, I do, I mean, I... I, I I, I do swear a lot, and I'm particularly conscious of it when, when I'm doing stand up. And I remember, like, um, 
Well, whenever I'm doing new material, I know this is a bit of a cliche to say this, but whenever I'm doing new material, when I've listened to the recordings back, it's almost unlistenable because, because I'm so nervous about doing the stuff. I just swear so, so much. But when you just played that there, that didn't even sound like sort of like light-hearted swearing. A lot of it sounded quite aggressive to me. There's quite a lot of emphasis. Uh, that's what I thought. It was quite emphatic. Yeah. Although I have yeah. had, I have heard the long cut of it, what leads into them, and it's not as it's not as brutal as that. But it just when you hit those swears, right. so, really so you heard you heard the yeah, so you heard the long cut, and you thought this doesn't make him look enough of a prick here. So let me just <laughs> let me just get this all tightened up. Yep. Um, it's because because I, I went to watch I went to watch um, I went to watch Lee Evans on his last tour. And everybody sort of sees Lee Evans as a as a family friendly comment, but he f- swears a lot, man. But he but he he he's such he's so good at it, you don't notice it. I, no, I reckon no, people would take their kids and, and not notice that he's like dropped the f bomb like twenty times. You know what I mean? No, I do, but I do the same as you when I'm when I'm uh, reaching for something or trying to remember something. He's fucking is kind of like a comma, and then also I say you know a lot. Fucking you know, fucking yeah, yeah. you know, and then fuck you, yeah. you know, yeah, fuck. <laughs> I tried to, um, I actually looked into trying to get rid of all that because I do your nose, I do likes, I do fucks. And um, there's a psychology to it, but it requires a lot of effort to get rid of it. And I just think I can't. Well, we just said there's no point in changing. This is part of the engine room of who you are. This is what I said. This is why I had the cuss count in the first place was people saying you're swearing too much. I said, no, I'm swearing a lot. Let's just keep track of it. This is what yeah. we need to do with our own personalities is, yeah, let's just monitor it. Maybe the monitoring is the closest that you get. It's like weighing yourself, isn't it? I'm not on a diet, but if I weigh myself, there might be a chance that I won't drive back around the drive through just after I ate everything within the space of getting it and then drive around the other side. I've done that, by the way. I've with, regretfully thought I should have had hot wings with that KFC order, and I've rejoined the queue for KFC. That's sad, isn't it? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. I also no, I res- once... Dude, Jeff, I respect that. Because yeah. the number of times, the number of times, it's happened to me, I would say it happens to me most with Nando's, right? Is where, or Wagamama's actually, Nando's and Wagamama's, where I like quite a few of their items. Right. So you know yeah. how you fall on a selection of I mean, I'm, I'm talking about basic human behavior like it's a, a, an innovative thing. Yeah, you have you, your you order. Have, yeah, you have your order. And and with Wagamama's and Nando's, I rotate between a few things. And occasionally, if I'm feeling sassy, I'll order more than one of those things. You know what I mean, and have a bigger order. The number of times I've been midway through a thing and thought, I wish I should have. I wish I got the bow buns. <laughs> you know I mean, or something like that. And then I just don't I don't I don't I don't do it. I don't get Keep them. It Whereas you you've gone. Yeah, I should have done that. And do you know what? I'm going to make that change. And then you go back and fuck. I love. Do you know what? I think, I think my admiration for you has actually increased. And I, and I, it was I mean, a high bar. It, it could only get high if you know the length of the queue that I rejoined as well. <laughs> it was a pretty high queue. And another tragic tale from KFC drive-throughs is once yeah. um, I got to the uh, I got to the actual service window without, and I hadn't remembered to actually put my order in. And I said to the guy, oh, mate, sorry, I forgot to put the order in. Is there any chance I could? And I'd waited like a good 20 minutes before this. He said, I'm really sorry. We literally can't process it. And he goes, I went, you know what? Right, I'm a loyal customer of the Colonel. I've been that way for years. This is disgusting that you can't. And I drove out. I thought, I'm never going back to KFC again. Rejoin the queue. Another 20 minutes. <laughs> and then the guy just looked at me like I was clinically insane. Like, are you the guy? No, I'm not. No, no, I'm not. That. I'm not that guy. Not that uh, guy. Uh, 
Yeah, I, 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 there's moments of reflection like that. I remember like during, during the first lockdown, I fell in love with this Chinese place near us and I was getting it a lot to the, yeah, a lot, I would say. And then one day, and, and I, kept eat, I, kept, I kept having takeaway and there were moments where, it got so bad, there were moments where I was having to move takeaway leftovers to make room for the next set of leftovers that I'd created. <laughs> and, and I think that's a problem. We're going to do a quick thank you and a fuck you. Uh, thank you. I don't know. I mean, I'm all, I know I'm always saying to you, Rubbish, go and see this at the cinema. But if you haven't seen the Spider-Man film, go and see it at the cinema. I mean, I can't. Can we, can, can we, can we just, I just, I, I, I just want to talk about this very, very quickly. Mm. Because I'm going to go see it this weekend. Is it as amazing as people keep telling me? Well, I, I, I thoroughly, it's one of those ones where it wasn't, I thoroughly enjoyed every aspect of it, if you know what okay. I mean. So every bit of it was really good. I don't know if it's the best film I've ever seen. I would say it's the best standalone film I've seen from Marvel. Whoa! Yeah. Whoa! Yeah, best standalone Marvel film. And the thing was, I wasn't. I always liked Spider-Man, but it turns out that all along I've been liking Spider-Man more than I realised. Mm. And I just think at the moment it's so important to, to support these businesses and stuff. And I know, and I got a bit of stick for under, underestimating the Omicron wave and, you know, number, the numbers might be higher, the mildness, we don't know. It's this weird sort of Nando's lemon and herb or whatever combination we're not sure of yet. But I think it's really important that we get out and because it's so important to go to the cinema. And I know a lot of people say, well, I've got a home cinema. OK, in your home cinema, is, can you stop family members coming in and asking stupid fucking questions? Mm. Then if you can't, I would argue you don't have a home cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, do you have somebody else that comes in and hoovers up? Do you know what I mean? Do you have a foyer? Do you have the smell? I mean, you have the popcorn smell going on, you know, fairly generally. Yeah, from, so. yeah you, I wake up to it. <laughs> uh, get it all set up. Um, I, I um uh, I went to watch Ghostbusters Afterlife the other day. Have you watched that? Yeah. that? yeah, yeah, it was okay. It's made me um, it's made me reflect on. Uh, I listen. I know this is not a movie podcast, but it's um without without giving away spoilers to your to your listeners. Um, it's it's a nostalgia. It, it it plays heavy on nostalgia and callbacks, doesn't it? I mean, I think that's fair yeah. to say. And I uh, have spoken to a lot of people, one of them, Sean Walsh, mm. um, who loved it because of, for those reasons. Yeah. And I didn't because I felt manipulated. And then, and then it's made me reflect on whether I'm a heartless bastard. Basically. No, I think, I, I think that Ghostbusters does have this hardcore of fans, but m- most people weren't invested in it on, on the level that Sean was. I mean, that's, that's the first thing to say. So I thought it was like, I thought it was quite good. It was sort of like The Force Awakens, wasn't it? That they did a good enough story uh, and they kind of found a way of showing you that shit that you like looking at from before. Uh, whereas I think Spider-Man No Way Home is something, I don't want to say anything that would ruin it. I just say, get, get to see it. And if someone tries to start a conversation with you about it, just fucking headbutt them. Because they, people have this weird thing of trying to go, you know, I just, I'll just say that you will, you know, no, you don't have to say anything. Just say that it's, it's highly recommended, right? Mm. It's highly recommended. So go and see that. And then the fuck you is to uh, people. We should really be drinking alcoholic drinks for this. We're not. But as a way into talking about them is, is people that order an old fashioned and seem to think that they're Don Draper because of it. <sighs> I, I, I couldn't agree with you more on this. It's just, I'll get an old fashioned, and then they look yeah. around the thing. I just, I just really like. Yeah. It's just a really. Yeah. Why don't you just? Why do you just? Why do you just drink what you want to drink instead of making it part of your outfit? 
<laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's not like, like a good USP. Your, yeah, your just ads. so irritating. Just work harder on your conversation. Be more yeah. interesting as a person. And then you don't have to do this. You don't have to force down a drink you don't actually enjoy. Yeah. How about that? Oh, and, and, and it, but just a word of old fact, because it, it does sound cool. There's no doubt about it. And it kind of backs up my general thought about whiskey because it's a, I think it's a whiskey based drink. Mm. I mean, there is always there's a, uh, that horrible thing when people will tell you, actually, it's a bourbon. Fuck off. You don't even know what that means. All right. Yeah. You know that there are two things called a whiskey and a bourbon. And, you know, if you do know what it means, that's not fantastic either. Do, so do, let me tell you something. They, what, what, the difference between a whiskey and bourbon is they taste horrible in different ways is, is, is the only thing I can. <laughs> We are triggering the whiskey, the whiskey community. I mean, the whiskey, the difference, the difference between whiskey's perception in a televisual and filmic sense and what it is in reality. So in TV and films, it's almost always drunk from decanters, right? By powerful people. And and in, in real people's lives, it's like you've had people round, it's got into a bit of a carve up, your wives have gone to bed, and then you're pulling shit out from the cupboard to get a bottle of famous grouse at the back. And it, even even as drunk as you are, you're still conscious that it's fucking disgusting. It, it's such a great observation. This, this, the idea that you might be in the middle of a conversation with someone at sort of in the middle of the day and go, do you fancy a finger of this? And then sort of <laughs> from your decanter, pour a, pour a thing. And then you sit there sort of, it's just such bullshit. And then what happens is like when you're younger, when you're younger and you think you, you are, inf- I mean, we are still influenced by what, what we watch in the media and stuff. But when you watch that, you go, oh, that's how people drink. And then you try it sort of mid-afternoon. Yeah. I remember in my 20s, <laughs> going, oh, I might have a little, little bit of whiskey. This is fucking horrible. Why am I doing this? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's the, the way also, you know, the this- golden, the golden look of it as well is so misleading. Oh. So the way that the light catches through it, especially in a decanter, it gives you this idea of something that's actually quite enjoyable like quite a pleasant flavored thing it's well not. what i what, what i ended up doing was if you get just the right amount of coca-cola in the bottom of a glass it does look like whiskey sort of you get it you know if it's there and so i used to just fantasize with that because i used to just put it in like a glass and swill it around and do all the whiskey stuff without actually having to taste whiskey it's great whiskey and coke is a good drink i mean that that it completely changes it the sweetness and the caramel flavors it's very drinkable but yeah. just if you if you if you Mix it with a high sugar drink. Yes, it's it's drinkable. Yes, you're right. Like most spirits. Okay, uh, let's get a catch up on Romish's year. So I've surprised you with with this. Like you looked at me like, okay, is that what we're doing here? Um, I just I think people will be interested how it's been for you because you know you've been busy as usual. How has it been working around the COVID regs uh, on on the COVID regs? I mean, I'm just going to... No, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Do you know what? If, if anything, I'm disappointed that you question yourself. COVID how did regs. I, how did I deal with the COVID regs? Um, on, on these big shows, like, you know, for one, an, a league of their own, which is a huge show. Uh, you were the resident um, uh, host this series. How, how, how was that? What were the complications? Well... Um... I mean, not those complications, but <laughs> no. But I mean, well, the um, the um, the you know the biggest thing was a couple of weeks before before we were due to start the show, we were told that we couldn't have an audience in the studio, mm. and um, we'd done the previous series with an audience without an audience. Yeah, and th- this is like this is a bit of an in conversation, but it is an interesting one, right? 
it's this thing of like because of loads of comedy panel shows or entertainment shows not being able to have an audience it's led to this debate about whether people prefer to have an audience to whether it's better for a show to have an audience or not have an audience and people have genuinely been having these conversations and like when we've mm. had on the last series of league of their own when when we didn't have an audience in you found that sports stars were more chatty because they didn't feel intimidated they didn't feel worried they weren't nervous um, they just felt more relaxed about telling their anecdotes and stories and stuff. And so it got this thing where there was a kind of a, a few people that think, well, maybe it's better that we don't have an audience. Um, but um, I just fundamentally don't, I fundamentally I know, don't I think that's true. I think it is incredible that how far COVID has changed our thinking that people, you know, I've heard these conversations on other shows as well. And you go, do you remember the records that that were I happening? Know. I mean, I remember that one on League of Their Own that you did, where you have to where you had to climb up to that thing and then you had to do this leap of faith thing. And oh the yeah, crowd yeah. Were going fucking insane, and and like yeah. the energy the crowd were giving it, it built everything. And the idea that you can get that with sort of twenty yeah. crews standing around. I know. It just sort of, don't. So, so, yeah, it's it's very different doing the leap of faith when there's like an audience of 400 people screaming your name than it is doing it to pretty much silence and hearing the squeak of your shoes against the perspex of the platform <laughs> as you kind of navigate your, your way across. <laughs> and trying to impress your favourite cameraman. Yeah, it's just... Oh, it's he's just got not... really good taste, that one. If he laughs, you know yeah. it's going well. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I just think... Um, I think audiences make you better. They keep you honest. They make you... You know, they like you just said, they put an energy into the room. But also, I think that pressure of an audience it makes you better. It, it makes you get to a joke quicker. It makes you uh, sharper. I just think it's better. I think it makes for a better show. So anyway, you know, we, 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 we did it without the audience. Well, we did it with like a small audience of like 15, 20 people. Mm. Um, and, um, and, and we had to be socially distanced from each other. And then obviously the, and so those shows are, look, we, the team are unbelievable at putting that stuff together and making it all look the same as it was before. Yeah. I almost feel like, if I'm being honest, they do too good a job because what happens is people watch it going, oh, this is like a non-COVID show, but it was a COVID show. But they, but you know, mm. they, they made, they did so well that you wouldn't even, you know, the games were still massive. Like everything was still like, was still huge. And, and it was all still exciting, and they, and they were booking against in, almost impossible odds, like booking the show and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, how the hell they got someone of my caliber on the show? Oh, you mate, it think, was yeah. just you know, I, I, I said to them, I said to them, <laughs> do you know what? I think I think we could capitalize on this and get Jeff Norcott. You know, as well this year, and this is coming up, so this will probably be out early next week. So the first episode would have been out. Uh, you've got a weakest link coming up, which is. Um, it looks fantastic. Like I saw the first trailer and I think so many people that when you go Ramesh Ranganathan taking the piss out of people for giving stupid answers to questions. Yes, please. I mean, like the pitch is, is it, I mean, it's just, it's just a delicious pitch. So, so what, what was it like going up there? You, you filmed it up in, in Glasgow and stuff. I imagine you had to do quite a few in a short space of time. Yeah. So we did, we did 12 episodes in a week and, um, which uh, which is fine. Uh, it, it's it's like when you're doing three episodes in a day, it, it's um it feels like a long day. But it's an you know hosting a quiz show. I'm not going to start complaining about the rigors of that. But you know it's it's oh, a long fucking day. Fucking hell, Ramesh, you're down the mine, where you're fucking yeah. mine, mine yeah, exactly, jokes, exactly. were you? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to get any of that shit. Um, but um, 
the, the biggest problem actually was COP26, you know, in terms of like logistics, because we we're in Glasgow mm. at the same time as all that was going on. And so, you know, getting all the guessing and shit like that was just, uh, it was difficult. But I say it was difficult. It wasn't difficult for me. I was, I just stayed at studio, yeah. but, so, yeah, but I know really that they had, it was really hard to hear about it. Do you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and have to, and have to pretend to be sort of sympathetic when actually it doesn't affect my day at all, you know? Um, no, it was um, really hard to book Alok Sharma and Michael Gove, you know, people that you yeah. definitely, for the politician special, you had to really give that yeah, another yeah. think and then go, yeah. oh, all right, we'll have a Strictly special then. Yeah, we had to, we, 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 went, we went against the government uh, episode. But um, it was interesting because, like, everybody knows the weakest link, but all the celebs that turning up didn't know how I was going to do it, you know, like, mm. because... They were thinking, is he going to be like Anne Robinson? Is he going to do like this kind of, this kind of panto villain sort of thing? Um, and um, but it was really good fun, man. Like I really loved it. It's one of these things where, um, like people have, you know, people have seen the first episode, I believe, when this goes out. Mm. But like, um, I just thought, because um, it's the the truth is we've talked about this a lot, but the truth is is like it's such a big thing. And I was thinking, I didn't realise how big a deal it was until it was announced. And then I started to see all the response on social media and like people coming up to me that, people that know me, that, you know, who've never spoken to me about my work, about TV and stuff, have gone, you're doing the weakest. So, you know, you felt like it was a level above in terms of public sort of yeah, perception yeah. and stuff like that. So that all of that, you know, it's a big deal, but you can get caught up in that and start worrying about it. But I just thought, I'm just going to do it how I would do it. And you can't control anything else. Do you know what I mean? Like people are either going to like that or they're not. And I'm okay with that. Do you know what I mean? I think if you start mm. getting caught up in thinking, fuck, how should I do this? Or what are the fans of Weakest Link going to think? Or, you know, trying to second guess it. I just think madness lies in that in that part. I love, the, I mean? I love so, the idea of like the, 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 the Weakest Link faithful, like going up to Comic-Con <laughs> and talking about with the way that the Weakest Link universe is going. And I'm just thinking forward to it. Just look. Looking forward to like Anne Robinson, uh, the YouTube video of her with two like hardcore weakest link fans, just like just pouring over my first episode, just watching a clip of it and then stopping it. Okay, so let me just stop there. So, so, so Anne, I we were talking about this. There's like seven things he's done wrong in the first minute. There, can you break it down just for people that might not realise how has he fucked that up? Can you just can you just talk us through it, Anne? <laughs> Well, we know, I mean, like the buzz coming off everyone's around the show and the clips look fantastic. So it will be brilliant. But obviously, social media is what it is. I mean, if you could sort of um, speculate a kind of social media backlash bingo, what, what do you think are going to be the most common comments? I mean, I mean, uh, license I, I think, fee I, I, is going to get mentioned, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. license fee. Um, uh, another example of tokenism from the BBC. Oh, uh, looks like they've yeah, decided racism. to looks like they've decided to make it the wokest link. Something like oh. that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I find that incredible with you because, like, despite your left-leaning politics, I wouldn't say that you're woke. Do you know what I mean? You certainly don't present as it in your comedy, but they've just gone, well, yeah, him, that, the other guy off the mash thing. Yeah, woke. I think, I think, yeah. I think that is. I think that uh, I genuinely think uh, people just go, he's an Asian comic. There's another Asian comic that's really left uh, and and I assume that he's going he's super woke and left as well like it's it's a really mad it's not really mad that's a massive misuse of that word but it's it's a uh, it's just it's a weird wild, thing that, wider the mark wildly yes wider yes mark, it yeah. is wider the mark. and and, and, and you're and, horribly bigoted in a lot of ways yeah like sometimes like, listen, you people, say stuff and I I gasp yeah. at the stuff I, I am say. actually refreshingly racist that's what people don't realize about me <laughs> <laughs> 
we're just gonna so yeah do check as we're hyping stuff do check that out it goes out saturday so it'll be on iplayer by the time we're uh you'll be listening to this and then it'll be on every saturday so do watch it it's just gonna be you know it's gonna be fucking funny uh while we're hyping things obviously the tour you know all this stuff circling about covid and stuff my tour restarts in february and the early dates are selling pretty well so do get on board with that and um, we're just gonna say hello to a few more patrons here i've uh, got some interesting fucking names here Miles Gladson. Miles Gladson. Well, the Tories have just lost a um, a by-election in uh, Shropshire North, and Miles Gladson feels like the candidate that lost. I don't know if he was. <laughs> he just feels like, you know, he was earmarked for a ministerial post. Miles Gladson. That's just, it's just, it's just It's just you can't, you know, even if he does come from a... A diverse background or, or you know yeah. socially you know whatever whatever the you just can't you can't have that name that name you you can't do you know what I mean it's that? not gonna it's not gonna open doors for, for very much longer i mean it's so much poshness poshness to get into three syllables i don't know if you yeah could. mars gladson go okay sorry you, you the door isn't open for people like you now right yeah but you better work for your dad okay yeah just when you just yeah when you just join the family business like running Running Kellogg's or whatever it is you do. <laughs> uh, we've got Cat here as well. We always presume that people that don't give surnames are can't be outed as uh, enjoying the comedy of a centre-right comic like me. So I think Cat, I, I think Cat might be a right-wing primary school teacher. They do <laughs> exist. I mean, right-wing primary school teacher does does sound like a sitcom pitch, doesn't it? Oh, that's a really that is a really great sitcom pitch. Like, just the yeah. idea that you're sort of you're seeing these little sort of woke year ones come in. Just sort yeah. of like, is that what your mum and dad told you? Is it, or your yeah. mum and mum or whatever your family dynamic is? Do you know <laughs> I mean just really what they <laughs> told you? You know what I mean by they? I mean like they them. That's my that's the kind of gags I do in year one. Is you're uh, not allowed to like Harry Potter anymore, are you? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and the author was J.K. Rowling. Yeah, I said her name. She's not Voldemort, all right? She just <laughs> believes in biological sex. <laughs> um, so thank you for your, your patronage, Yeah, thanks, Kat. Kat. Uh, we've got uh, Jake Scrivens, who basically sounds like someone from Dickens. Jake Scrivens, yeah, Jake. at your service, sir. He's a wiry little boy. Jake Scrivens worked his way up. He started off. Started off as a, as we're working on the ledger for the oh, I, I, this risk going nowhere. Working on the ledger, I basically was you and I, you and I have both embarked on a bit that we don't have the minerals to see through. That's what no, I, no, the cat went so well that I've gone. I really, I do think he sounds like a Dickensian character, but the worst thing is having made the observation, can't follow through. But mm. the next name sort of furthers that challenge. Is called Matthew Pickles. I mean, Jake Scrivens and Matthew Pickles. Con men. Pickles. Con men in a Dickens novel. Yeah. Pickles and Scrivens. Pickles and Scrivens at your service. Don't worry about that gold there. I'll look after it for you, sir. Don't <laughs> worry about that. Be a roller. You know what I mean? Like good. Nick really Nick good. Frost will get his, get his teeth Matthew into. Pickles. Matty Pickles. I know, it doesn't Matthew sound Pickles. real, does it? Yeah. It can't be real. It can't be real. Matthew Pickles. I don't know if we'd have scrutinised it as much if it hadn't come straight after Jake's. No, but Matthew Pickles, it just sounds, I don't know, man. It sounds like Pickle. a clown, yeah. How does how does the surname Pickles come about? Um, well, get in touch with us. Let us know, Matthew. Well, you might not know, in fairness. 
And this might be further in the sort of a lifelong bullying legacy that we've sort of made real again. Oh, um, God, this, we, have we rewarded a Patreon by absolutely rinsing the shit out that's of That's the whole principle of the Patreon thing. That's the main thing people sign up for. Okay, get, fine, fine. Is to get roasted. I have their consent. I have their consent. Oh, but, fine. You know, I don't you, know, know. you know, it's like cancel culture. I've got their consent now, five years' time. Could be every bit of money that I've made a Patreon, I might be paying back out. For, for all we know, Matthew Pickles might end up being like the Nirvana baby. Do you know what I mean? He's going to sue you for <laughs> something they actually celebrated early on. Now, people might wonder why I'm not talking about big political news of the week because it's the Christmas show. And honestly, I just, yeah, you know, the Tories got their ass handed to them as they should have. You can't be that shit for that long and and not get um, and not get some sort of bitch slap. I mean, just just briefly, Rob. Uh, they, I mean, they're down like sort of seven or eight points in the polls. I mean, they could legitimately be down sixteen points in, in a way, given the succession of stuff. You're a rational man of the liberal left. I mean, is it almost impressive how brazenly shit they've been? And oh, mate, I, I've said this to you for a while. It's such a a, a damning indictment of what they think of the opposition, that they are, they feel sort of free enough to be this willfully fucking shit and sort mm. of arrogant and not be worried about it at all. And I don't think they need to be either. I mean, that's the truth of it. Do you know what I mean, it's like, I just, um, it is, it is almost, uh, it's almost a, a God complex of you know, where you just go, if they had said, I tell you what, this is, I, I sort of feel like we might be in the middle of like a trading places type experiment where they're just like, let's see, let's see. I bet you, <laughs> I bet you we can be this shit. What wealthy still, businessmen sitting yeah, there, we, Dan Aykroyd. We, yeah, <laughs> I, I bet you we can still be, we can be this shit and we'll still be in power. And he goes, okay, well, I, I bet you that, 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 we go, that, that we'll lose. Okay, well, if that's, in that case, let's make it an official bet. One English pound. Uh, You're on, Carruthers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one thing that, I mean, there is Labour, I, I think Labour have increased their polling, but I don't think it's because of anything that they've done. I don't, I don't no. think it's, you know, they haven't really done anything. Um, by the way, you, you said to me, you, you, you know, I did that joke after the um, the vaccine passport vote where I said things that are better at opposing the government. I said Marcus Rashford, Anand Deck, and the Conservative Party. Do you know how many people like loads of people got angry about that joke? Like, I don't. I love that sort of, joke. I love well, that joke. Well, because it was a joke, right? You know, yeah. there's always a bit of hyperbole, but people are like, dude, like normally like your stuff, but this is actually inaccurate because Labour have increased their polling. I was like, yeah, mm. get that. Like, people think that I wouldn't. What I mean is actually opposing the government. So whatever it is the government are trying to do, and I don't think that the opposition should always automatically oppose, but it doesn't feel like there's been much, there's been much of it. You just, you just feel like, um, look, my perception of it is, and, and and I'm less, you know, I'm less finger on the pulse than you are. You know, I know that you, you actively kind of are, are across things in a way that I'm not, but my perception of, of, of labor as an, as somebody left leading, my perception of labor really sort of taking on the government, and 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 sort of like you said, being an opposition is sort of minimal. I I, I just I'm just not aware of you know. There's so many things that you've seen, and you think they should really be taken to task on. It doesn't feel like they are being, you know. And and, and so, you know, if that's and I think that's how people generally feel, you know. And and so what's what we've got is a situation where people are getting pissed off with the Tories 
but not automatically that that's not automatically meaning they turn to labor and that is a real problem you know that is a, that yeah is a... yeah the numbers don't suggest that that's happening and the other question you've got to ask yourself i mean it'd be, the, the other thing as well you remember everything that happens just before christmas by mid-january can feel like a fucking long time ago i don't yeah, know what yeah, it yeah. is it's like a magic trick um and and i don't also think that the people that voted in Shropshire North were saying we want a Liberal Democrat government. So I don't, as much as I've criticised Boris, and I have done that a lot recently, I'm not sure that this is the end for him. Though I do think, and I was saying this, I did Comedy Unleashed in the week, I was saying that I sort of want Rishi to be Prime Minister, but I do wonder if my... Am I doing that because I'm like, it'd be great to have a British-Asian man as Prime Minister, or is it a kind of like, fuck you, Labour, look, look what we got. <laughs> is it you know that pretty patel is it is it true that pretty patel's thinking that was thinking about going i mean that'd it? be incredible wouldn't it i mean how much how many sycophants would you need around you to convince you that they, she's I mean, not just, even popular just, with the conservative membership i know it's 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 so i, I just when i read it obviously you know look I, I i'm not a fan but i just thought how could she, she can't possibly believe that's on the cards can she like i, I just like how can you possibly think that's I just assumed it was bullshit. I don't know. I don't know how much. No, no. I think that I think that they all. I mean, if you look at the people that ran last time round, there'll be quite a few. I ran a, a, an unscientific Twitter poll, and Rishi was top, but then Liz Truss is more popular with the Conservative membership, and she just. If if you're talking about like a, a, an eccentric blonde running the party that might do some mad shit. I'm not sure. There's a bit of a frying pan fire situation going from Boris Johnson to Liz Truss. But Rishi's still really fucking young. I mean, like, mainly my feeling that he'd be good is because, like, he's quite cool and stuff. Yeah, but do you know what my problem with Rishi is? He's, like, he's feeling himself a little bit too much, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, with too many font changes in the last year. I think he's dangerously near the Kool-Aid tap, that fella. (laughs) I mean, people, not everyone will know the Kool-Aid thing, but it's such a useful phrase once you know. <laughs> Drinking the Kool-Aid is, is basically the idea that you're taking on board your own mythology. And yeah, your if own... you started to believe your own hype and you started to think that the people that are saying the most positive things about you are, are <laughs> telling the truth, you've drunk the Kool-Aid. <laughs> That's such a neat way of describing it. Okay, let's get back to something uh, a bit more Christmassy here. Okay, so let's talk Christmas, man. Christmas is coming up. How? What kind of dad are you on Christmas Day? Are you a screwdrivers and batteries guy in the morning once the original presents have been opened? Or are you a drinking hand, sit back and sort of like Victorian patriarch, take it all in? Uh, I am... Uh, I would say I'm a mix of the two, but I probably, I probably fall... I'll probably fall closer to the screwdriver uh, and batteries. You know, sorting out the presents because... That's good. It turns out that... Christmas presents are increasingly, I've noticed as the years go on, increasingly high maintenance to get up to a, into working order for your kids yeah. to start being able to enjoy them. One of the things I've had to control or had to mitigate for is my levels of rage at my uh, the my my perception of my children's gratitude for what they're getting. <laughs> I, I, I I find it. Um, my kids, we've tried to bring up our kids to, to to value what they've got and stuff, and we haven't managed it, you know, because, and that's not the kids' fault, that's, it's just how can, you know, kids mm. kids will never be as grateful as you want them to be or you expect them to be. Yeah. But I find it, I find watching my kids open presents, react to them for three to four seconds before throwing them to one yeah. side, and I find it, 
I find it unbelievable. Like it just to me triggers all of my things about you're not grateful. And, and, and it actually awakens my imposter syndrome and my fear of it all going away as well. Cause I just think Mike, I'm doing that. You do this for your kids. Your kids aren't being grateful. We might not have this Christmas next year. It might be, <laughs> do you know what I mean? If you actually said that, that'll be the the best way to piss on Christmas ever. Like this, this could all go away. But I do think I do think. No, I know exactly what you mean. But I also simultaneously couldn't think of a less Christmassy thing. But I think exactly the same stuff. Like I've had. This might be the last time that you're opening stuff up like this. Okay. Welcome to the fallow years. Yeah, you'll you look back on this, I promise you that much. And I, the thing is, I can't even say I'm angry on Santa's behalf. Not yet. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but so I've had to I've had to start trying to um because because then what happened was is I'll say to the kids, can you be can you be grateful and engage with the present and sort of be and, and then they go, they do it like a robot that's been programmed to do it. They'd open it and go, Oh, this is good. Uh, and they pretend not to just want to open the next thing. And they go, I'm so grateful for this. This is great. Thank you. And they put it to one side. You go, what's the fucking point of this? Like, and then it makes you feel like a, a fearful like, oh, yeah. male. Yeah, it's just horrible. Thank you, Peter. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, Thank you is... so much. I'm so glad that the, the fact that you go out and work so hard for us means that we can enjoy gifts like this on Christmas Day. Like and then, then they're giving themselves their own side party. <laughs> is this okay? Is this okay? <laughs> a little question um you know in terms of christmas traditions you know like obviously we're changing now a lot of men doing mad shit like helping out in the kitchen and stuff like that it's, it's yeah. pretty bad um should, you know that thing of men being allowed to go down to the pub just for a couple of pints before There's a lot of people don't do that now given that you know female power is rightly or wrongly on the rise uh <laughs> Uh, but given the you know female financial empowerment all that stuff is going one way could we just have an amnesty for something from the past that yes maybe a bit old-fashioned a bit chauvinistic but you're allowed to go down the pub for a couple of pints not not loads just a couple of pints you come back you've got a little beer cap on makes you very grateful for the food very grateful you know best roasting you've ever had um gives her a bit a bit more space in the house um, but also leaves her alone. <laughs> also leaves her alone with the kids, arguably, yeah. rightly or wrongly. Um, but could we just? Could there just be some things that you know, like you know, people say, "Well, why do men still have to pay?" It, right, I'm, I am coming to an argument here. Why do men still have to pay when we go out for dinner? It's just how it is. Why do men still have to give up their seats? It's just how it is. Why are men allowed to go to the pub one day of the fucking year? It's just how it is. Well. Uh, I I've got two kind of counter arguments to, to this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one, I feel like there could be loads. Yeah, yeah, but but you know, two. I I think one is that. Well, I I I do. It's an interesting one. I do fuck all on Christmas Day, like like in terms of pre- food prep and stuff like that. And I I don't do much food prep throughout the year because it's been determined by a number of conversations between Lisa and myself that. The mess that's created by me cooking is not sufficiently paid off by the meal that yeah. is delivered at the end of that, right? So, <laughs> so, so we we we've we've talked about that, and I do I cook maybe like four or five times a year, and Lisa has to steal herself for that event. You know what I mean, she's you know making comments throughout the day. Oh God, 
you're cooking tonight, aren't you? So a lot of sort of snidey little remarks and stuff. Yeah. Um, so so Lisa does fuck all. I, I feel like the least I can do is sort of shepherd the kids away from a bit. I, I think, I, I feel like if I mm. was to then go out, I'd feel like I already am operating at absolute, like do absolute fuck all. So then willfully yeah. go away feels like too much. The other, the other counter argument I'd have to that. Sorry. Uh, so my dad used to run a pub and um, he used to open up in the morning on Christmas day. And we used to go down there. Well, people would go down there, and occasionally I would check in on him. And I would say that pub on Christmas morning, it's one of the most depressing environments I've ever been in my life. I, I, I mean, it's, I'll tell you what the problem is with it. It's men talking about how great it is to be allowed out on Christmas morning to have a pint. I mean, that's all yeah. they talk about in this kind of quiet, unappealing, horrendous way. And I love a pub. I did yeah. not love the pub on Christmas day morning. It was sort of like, just, ah, well, I got out, didn't I? Managed it. Uh, oh, fuck knows, what she's, fuck knows what she's doing back there. Go, but I tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll probably give me another pint because I need some moisture when she serves me that fucking dry turkey. But you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, look, but then I like I know you're saying in an ironic way, but I, I sort of see points in what that guy said. Like, <laughs> I, I, turkey can be quite dry, <laughs> and, and you know, stealing yourself for the ritual annual disappointment of the Christmas dinner is, is not completely illogical. And, yeah. and there is, but I, I think maybe it's different with our, our men's generation is when w- this generation of men, when women let us do stuff, stuff like that, we know we're not allowed to do it. So we do feel genuinely grateful. Like we'll probably send a text while we're there. We're a bit lame on we go, actually, I'm sort of regretting being here, to be honest, you know, just going, I'm actually, I'm actually going to think, drink up and, and get back. And, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll flower it a little bit, but just the euphoria, the thrill, of of having a draft beer. I know you love draft beer. Uh, yeah. And I would say that pubs as a space might have moved on from where they were in Crawley in the mid nineties, you know, just, <laughs> you know, just in terms of overall vibe. But you're right. That was many years ago in the Prince of Wales, which has since been knocked down. So I mean, be honest, if we live near each other and then at 11 oh, a.m. Do you know what, Jeff? <laughs> that is a totally different property. If I knew... Yeah. on Christmas Day morning, I could pop in and have a couple of beers with you. Fucking hell. So, and then that is nice Great. to hear, but equally, I, I sort of, it seems to have demonstrated that the depth of your resolution against it <laughs> was just about getting the right offer. And <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest with you, Jeff. The real yeah. reason I'm against it is nobody I like lives near me. That's that's the main <laughs> issue. I'm really supportive. You know, I like to say to kids, well, yeah, no, what's that? Yeah, baby, yeah, I'll, I'll be back. No, I'll be back for lunch. I might be back for lunch. <laughs> Play it up. Uh, what most people think. So this is a letter called Len from Egham, who already sounds like a sort of time traveller from the 80s. I found myself staying up late at night watching videos of men being knocked out. Um <laughs> I think I'd quite like to get in a fight. It's been 20 years. I've been doing boxing training. And my coach says I have a genuinely powerful left hook. Should oh, I try no. it out? The first oh, no. question I've got here. So one, it's been 20 years. Secondly, your name is Len. I think you're old, Len, is, is the main <laughs> thing that I think. And I, I would imagine, and you live in Egham. I just feel like there's a lot of old people in Egham. And the last fight that you'd had, if you're the age I think you are, your last fight was probably a bit of football hooliganism in your 40s. And 
of course your boxing trainer is going to tell you you've got a genuinely powerful left hook because yeah. he saw the little thrill on your face when you said that. And yeah, how, how many gonna... how many how many times do you think boxing trainers say to people that are paying them for classes, "You are lost cause." <laughs> it, it, it just doesn't happen. If well, you yeah, step in the ring with anybody semi-competent, you probably die. <laughs> I actually think it's a health and safety risk for you to be in the ring with anyone. But the other <laughs> thing is, the other thing is, Len, what what is a very easy. Uh, it's a very easy trap to fall into. What you've done is you've watched a load of videos of of, of men knocking out men, and you visualise yourself being the man doing the knocking out. And and what you've <laughs> neglected to do is acknowledge how easy it could be for you to be the other person that's actually getting knocked out. And and if you yeah. watch those videos again with sort of that filter, I think you're going to get a little bit of a dose of realism about what it will be like to start fighting. Yeah, rewatch every single one in your YouTube history and go, I'm that guy. I'm that guy that's knocked out, but still got his eyes open in that freaky way they sometimes do. And he's getting mushed while I'm on the floor. Somebody's mushing like a, a peach into my face and loads of people are filming it. Yeah, you, you could just so easily, that could so easily happen to you in Egham. So just think about that. I mean, do, 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 I mean, I have lady listeners, of course I do, to the show. Mm. Are they aware of how much blokes watch videos of fighting and knockouts? I'm yeah, sure. and, and I, 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 I don't, I don't know what it is, but <laughs> the dark is, secret, isn't it? It, it is. It's like the, the, people like men, men I don't know that well, kind of early on in sort of chatting to them, will go, "Have you seen this?" Yeah, and then they'll just sort of show you a video of like. A couple of guys in like a, in a street, just having a, a tear up, and he sort of go, "You don't know anything. You don't really know anything about me, but you just assume that this would appeal to me." And it did. Is, I mean, it and it did. Of course, it did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I asked to be sent it on, and I showed it to other people since. I, I don't know what it is. What is it? I mean, I guess it's like that. The idea of it's the ultimate jeopardy, isn't it? The shame, the the staking of your male dignity uh, on the line. And, and I guess there's a part of us. I mean, again, I say confident. I've never been very good at fighting. I would definitely have been, if you had a small kind of tribal community, I would have definitely been the diplomat. So, but I, <laughs> even as the diplomat, I would have negotiated my, like a lot of truces between settlements. Mm. Um, but I'd still have enjoyed seeing fights. You know, I might have even sometimes deliberately provoked the other tribe just to. Just because just I knew there were a couple of weak ones in our one that needed. <laughs> so there, there you are. There's something to take away from the end of this. We started with the idea of uh, Santa's elves being abused. We've ended up with the dark revelation that men watch loads of fighting videos. Mm. And <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah, Merry Christmas. And thank you so much for coming on the show, Rom, and being there, the Christmas guest. My Joe Cornish, which I don't know how many listeners that will make sense to, but it. But for those sense. that for, for those that it will do, mm. what a little what a little Easter egg for them. <laughs> Podcast podcasts is now so big they can have Easter eggs in them. And um, <laughs> listen, I mean, I'm going to do this thing where I wish you and your family a great Christmas. But the moment I stop recording, we're going to talk a bit more. So this is completely yeah. a, a fucking construct. So should mm. we just say that this is the end of the podcast? Yeah, this is the this is the end of the Christmas episode of the podcast. Hope you enjoyed. Jeff and I will continue to talk. Um, yeah, that's it. Bye bye.
Okay, as it's the Christmas special, I thought I'd do a Marvel-style post-credit sequence. I forgot to mention that obviously I'll be back uh, next week with the New Year special, which will be looking back on my predictions of last year and looking ahead to next year. And um, just to say thanks for all the support for the cuss count over the last two years. Uh, it felt like the right time to retire it. But just as a little Brucey bonus here, at the very end is Romish's swearing compilation again. See you next week. Fucking fucking fuck up shit. Fucking prick. Fucking shit. Fucking fuck. Fuck fuck fucking fuck. Fucking bullshit.